we've been talking about how important the word is in our lives as believers and how really if we just allow the word to do the work, it takes all the stress off of ourselves and try to make our lives appear clean before God. That makes sense. The Bible tells us that the word in itself is a cleansing agent, that it cleanses us just by reading it, applying it and declaring it over our lives, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into the things that God is showing us through the scripture. In fact, the challenge that we have with a lot of believers today um, is the carnality of the body of Christ. And um, let me just limit it, you know, kind of filter that down a little bit. The carnality of some Christians, you know, Paul talked about it, carnal Christians in in first Corinthians. He dealt with that a lot in the in the Corinthian church. And you would think that the Corinthian church would be the least carnal church. Amen. This was the church that was filled with the most that boasted on being filled with the gifts of the spirit. (laughs) The gift of the spirit, according to First Corinthians, the 12th chapter, they, they boasted in that thing. Yet they were a carnal church, a carnal church, a church that who say that they were believers, yet their lifestyle was that that was adorned by worldly pleasures. Amen. And that's what a carnal Christian is. We have to make sure that if if believe if we are believers, that sometimes we step back and look at ourselves. That's the challenge that would, would goes on a lot right now. It's a difficult place to really evaluate yourself. Because who wants to tell itself they, you know, you jealous person, you know, you you know you pretty envious, you pretty vindictive, you know that. I mean, look in the mirror, just tell yourself that, you know. I mean, you could really be honest with yourself, but it's hard to hear it coming from your own self, right? You know, that's the challenge. You know, you sometimey. And one day you happy, next day you not. One day you speak, the next day you don't, right? Sometimey. Just look in the I'm, I'm telling you, you, run across people just like that, right? But you can deal with yourself really easily. And that's what I love about God. He allows us to deal with ourselves until he's had enough of, of, of you know what I'm saying? He warns us. He says, you know, you need to stop that. You need to change that. You need to change that behavior. Then all of a sudden, boom, he exposes it to get you to humble yourself and repent and pick you back up and move you on to the next phase. Now, he don't remind you of those things when you confess it and repent of it, right? Amen. But if you continue to just repent and keep going back to that thing, God be like, uh, what did they say, Jesus? I, you know, you know me. I like to do hypotheticals. I, I, I don't. The only conversation I believe goes on in heaven is Jesus interceding for the believers. Amen. Uh, dialoguing about, you know, he's one of ours, God. And don't he's one of mine. The blood covered his sins, Father. I, you know, that's pleading your case before God on your behalf. Now, who wouldn't serve a Jesus like that? Amen. Somebody to stand before God whom you can't stand in front of. Right. The Bible says that we can't even see God's face. He's so holy that just to look upon him would kill us dead. But when we see him, we have to see him through Christ. Christ beholds God's glory and we look through Christ and when we see Christ we see God he's the filter that allows us to see God for who he is yeah that's a tweetable moment praise the Lord Christ is the filter that allows us to see God for who he is he is the one God sent to the world to see to say I and God I and God are one you know we're one in the same he pointed us to God by exemplifying him to the world. First, Second Timothy 2 and 15 tells us one important factor in this life. We started out weeks ago talking about the fight, right? 
the fight to live a godly lifestyle. We started out talking about that, and that was pretty interesting because it, it, it revealed to us that when we come to Christ, we enter into a boxing ring, and we place our gloves on, right? Well, our spirit, man. And so we have the spirit who fights against the flesh man who's been around since you was born, right? So he comes out at the disadvantage right off the bat, the spirit man. He's an infant fighting a 40-year-old man, flesh man. So as a believer, it, 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 I admonish you that if you're up in age and you're just coming to Christ, know the battle that you're going to have as a babe in Christ. You got 40 years of giving in to the flesh. And here's a little wee, wee. Can't even talk right, right? Don't even know the scripture. The only scripture you should know, three, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you'd be like, for God so loved. You know, you might skip a few verses. All I know is that if I believe Christ said, I'm one of his. You know, that, that's all you have. So you come out at the disadvantage. So you have to get in the word to get you more information to help you combat the flesh that's been living for 40 years that knows your tendencies, knows how to tempt you, know how to challenge your thoughts, know how to make you feel bad, know how to make you feel condemned. Uh, it's the word, you know, that's just the word. That's what happens, right? But when we take the word, the word comes in to re begin to build us and increase us and begin to cause our mind to start thinking differently. That makes sense? It begins to transform us into what God wants us to become. And it begins in the heart, which convinces the mind, and the mind convinces everything else to do what it's supposed to do. Am I right about it? All right. Let's read that scripture. Dude, I have that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I was going to look that up in another translation. I said, that's about as simple as you can get right there, right? You know, study to show yourself approved, accepted unto God. But how can I be accepted unto God? Well, one way to be accepted is holiness, right? Sanctification, right? Um, but the ultimate way to be accepted is to who? Accept Jesus as what? Your Lord and Savior. We are accepted at that point into, into heaven, right? But what helps us to be accepted to God by the word is that when we're in we're, when we're in the word and we're learning the word and we're using the word and we're allowing the word to do the cleansing because that's what the word does, right? It cleanses us. It has a twofold thing, right? It gives us information to feed our spirit man, and as our spirit man gets stronger, it purges us of the old flesh tendencies. That makes sense? Because the spirit of God cannot dwell in the unclean temple. That makes sense? But God has so much grace that while you're becoming of age in the spirit, you may not be up to par in some areas. That's where grace and mercy comes in. That makes sense? So if God sees you walking and, and walking in him and growing in him and you misstep or you may not be up in this particular area and sisters Sassafras, I always use that name because I know ain't nobody named Sassafras in this world. I sure hope not. So when Sassafras is, is over here and you here, you can't judge where you are based upon Sister Sassafras's 
uh, relationship with God. God deals with us on individual level, on our own level, right? So what God convicts you of, he may not convict me of, right? But you can't judge me based upon your conviction. That's the issue with a lot of churches today. You know, you know, you shouldn't do, but the challenge in the churches is what the churches got, you know, I, oh, I can't even say that right now. Um, mm. The challenge with, with, with what happens is that when what, what makes people turn cold from the church is because God delivers us with something and we really heavy on it. See, that's the challenge. We have to draw people by giving them the truth and allowing the truth of the word to change them. Be, that's that's it you know do do that does that mean that um um they are any less saved than we are no it just means that they ain't arrived there yet right and god is going to do the changing we have to allow people to grow in their grace as we took us to grow in grace because what with their challenge is you had a, a challenge just equal but a different one that makes sense so remember where we came from Right. But does that nullify us challenging them and telling them the truth? No, it doesn't. See, that's the issue with I hate to bring this up and I keep coming here again. That that's the issue with the sin that Romans one and chapter one and chapter two talks about. Um, and that's with the the, 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 the the beef of the LGBT community. You know, they want to rip that those two chapters out of the Bible. But because the church has made fun of that type of sin and, and, and put the spotlight on that type of sin, it makes people think God hates those people who are into that type of lifestyle, right? But the reality of that is sin is sin in God's eyes. No level one is no worse than the other. It's sin is sin, amen? And all who partake in the sin God says you cannot get to heaven if you are part of it, then those are the ones that's not gonna miss, that's not gonna make it to heaven. That makes sense? So we have to give people the truth of the word of God in the love that Jesus has given us to give it to them and allow God to just challenge them. He's going to do it. It takes the stress off of us. Amen. Same way with our lives. You know, study to show that self approved. You know, God says my word. Well, Ephesians five says by the washing of the water by the word that Christ may present to himself a church without spot or wrinkle, right? A glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other thing to present us without blemish before God. That only comes by the word of God. So when I look at Romans 1 and 16, Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the word of salvation that the, that the word talks about according to the scripture, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that gospel is the power of God unto salvation it is the ability of god it brings change it is the power to perform miracles it is the power that will influence it is the power that provides resources amen it is the power that that consistently rests upon god's provision period that power 
So you as the believer possess a power just by having the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change lives. And not just salvation to heaven, but I took the liberty to look that up. I used that Bible app that I shared with you last week, Blue Letter Bible, amen, and did some dissecting of that little word salvation. And uh, it was pretty impressive. It not only talked about eternity or salvation to heaven, it talked about deliverance. So it is a power of God that, that gives you deliverance, mm -hmm. right? It has a, um, it, it delivers you from the attack of the enemy. I like the word, the, the Greek word said deliverance from the molestation of enemies. Now we know molestation is, right? Yeah. Of enemies. So your enemies, according to this, it's like your enemies come to molest you to get you to sin because you don't really want it, right? That sounds about right, isn't it? So the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to deliver you from the molestation of your enemies. My, my. That's the power of the word of God. So we cannot diminish the Do you realize that most people who get upset get upset with the word of God? Well, a preacher preaches the word, right? And they get mad because the preacher says it. But if he's preaching the word, who are they getting mad at? The word of God. You have no right to tell me that. Well, it's not me. It's the word. So then your battle is not with me. It's with God. You got a question, Mr. Yeah, in John, the fifth chapter, where Jesus, where the people was talking about, you know, um, Jesus was dealing with the, the Pharisees. You know, you don't believe me. Well, we believe Moses. And Jesus said, well, if you believe Moses, then you should believe in me. But the fact that you don't believe in me tells me you don't believe what Moses said. You can't do one without the other. You know, the scripture says, and I don't know where it is, but it, you can look it up. If you're guilty in, in one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. It makes no room for that because God takes his word seriously. And we're going to read a little bit about that a little bit later. So if the word has the power to save us, deliver us, set us free, bring health in our lives, then why would we step outside of the word and try to do it ourselves? You know, it deals with us as individuals to bring us to where God wants us. And that's sanctification. Separate us. He wants us to be separate from the world. He wants our life to be distinctive. I know you're a Christian by the way you live and the way you act and how you treat people. I know and then there's something like, well, some days you look like a Christian, but some days I don't know. You know, that ain't what God wants, right? So sanctification involves the separating of yourself from that that is unclean, uh, unholy, of the appearance of ungodliness, right? And then that's what the word helps us to do. And, it, and it's not a one-time dosage. You know, it's a daily ingesting of the word. And a lot of times we don't have a lot of time to deal with, to, to read the word and study the word like, you know, God means study. But there are times where 
if we read it for 10 or 15 minutes a day, that in itself helps to do the job until we are able to sit down and study it like we should as a, as a believer. That makes sense? So we have to set time. We have to make time for it. Some of us get up early. Some of us, some, you know, some get up, stay up late. You know, it just depends. You know, it just depends. You have to carve out that time the way you say, okay, God, I'm really serious about my relationship with you. So I'm going to, for 30 minutes, I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier, or I'm going to stay up 30 minutes later. I'm going to devote that 30 minutes to nothing but reading the word and praying. I won't have no music on. I won't have no TV on. It'd just be me and you. And you set that time and you keep that time. And you don't allow, I mean, if you got to put it on the calendar the way you don't schedule anything in that time, do that until it becomes that habit to where it's like clockwork. You know, like anything, right? But then you'd be like, nah, I can't do that. It's 5, it's 5 30. Nah, I'm, six, 6 o'clock, I can do it. Five, well, what you do at that five? Well, that's me and my time with the Lord. Well, the Lord understands. Well, no, he don't understand. Well, you don't understand. I need this time, right? And that's the way you have to value that time that you carve out for God. Because studying his word as a believer is the, one of the most important things you could ever do for yourself. It's not for her. It's not for you. My time is not for them, right? It's for me. If I can't keep my time with God, I'm used to it. I might as well close my Bible, cut the radio station down, right? Right, go to the state of Texas and say, we are closing this ministry up because I don't have time to spend time with God who called me to the ministry. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Well, look at what Hebrews 4 and 12 says. It says, for the word of God is quick. Now, we know it's quick, right? Because you could be sitting down in the middle of the sanctuary listening to the word, and before you know you got popped right in the forehead, right? My <laughs> Pastor Gene Lingerfield preached the word a couple Sundays ago. Boy, I tell you, I think I had two black eyes. My ears probably was puffed up from being popped. I think everybody in the church needed somebody to carry them out of the church that day. He preached the word. Lord Jesus, he preached the word. He, I, I I don't, he preaches so hard I can't even remember the name, title of the message. But the word was, so, he, yeah, from John 5, he talked about how people seek the praises of men more than they seek the praises of God. And boy, he, he said, he read from the NIV version, that's St. John 5 and 43 and 44, and he said, how could you value the opinions of everybody else and you don't even make an effort this he said make an effort to find out what god thinks about it and boy we were sitting oh i was like whoa and he said oh he started doing one of these numbers i see who i must be preaching because y'all done got silent y'all done got silent on. we're like what he said don't have the audacity to find out what God says about it. I said, my God. I think everybody never repented that day. I mean, you don't, you don't look at some things as maybe missing it, but when somebody can break it down and peel the layers off some things and you really see undercover what it really is, woo, it's like, God, I'm, I'm giving it all to you. 
It don't even matter no more. So the word is quick and look and powerful and sharper. I was going to get a piece of chicken. One of them props, a raw piece of chicken. You got to follow this vision. I was going to get a, 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 a chicken quarter, late quarter, put it on a table with my one of my sharp knives. And as I was reading this scripture, I was going to cut this piece of chicken. I, wanted to sh- I was going to show you how the word of God is. So if I had a knife that was sharp on both ends and picture yourself cutting up a chicken for those of you who have cut up chickens, you know, those who buy chicken pieces won't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> he says, the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen to it. Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's how sharp the word. It has the ability to cut through cut a defining line through your soul and your spirit and of the joints and the marrow and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so if you're reading the word this is actually what happens this is why people don't like reading the word because the word comes to your face it's right here right so they're like well shoot I don't want to read that can I go to Psalms once? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They'll shout all over the church. He making me to lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He prepared the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Ooh, and then folk just tear up the church right there. In the presence of my enemy. But when it comes to the, the, the discerner of the intents of the heart, people are like, oh, Lord, Lord, it's time to go to bed. Just cut the light off. Because that means the word is going to find you where you are. And it's not going to deal with you here. It's going to deal with you right here where your motives and your intents are. Where people can't figure you out, but the word figures you out and it hits you pop right between the eyes. Like cutting that chicken leg from that thigh. You got to cut right in that right spot to slice that knife right through there. That's how the word is. It gets down to you, the, your soul. And it, you saw it. And if you miss that thing, you got to put some pressure to cut through that bone. Am I right about it? But the word is so sharp, it go, it'll go through the bone, through the marrow. Because the only way to get to the marrow, you got to cut through the bone. See, cutting the gristle ain't going to get the marrow because the marrow is inside the bone. The word is so sharp that you can't hide from it. That's why if you want to please God and want to live this life, you got to get it. Let it judge your heart. I'd rather God's word judge me than to stand before the great white throne of God and have to confess my sins and don't have an excuse for it. And his only answer is going to be depart from me. You work of iniquity. Take him down, down, escalated into the pit of hell. And I'm kicking and screaming, hold up, God. Wasn't I the leader of that man? Then I go to the jail and Jesus said, yeah, you went there, but you went for your own self. The praises you got of men, that's all you get. See ya. It's going to be a horrible day. That's how important the word is. Let the word expose your thoughts and intents. People who struggle and, and I sin, I can't, 
I want to do it. I can sin, go to prayer. I, go, I want to sin. I can repent. I sin. I repent. They don't get in the word. Because if they're in the word, the word starts convicting people. And you can't stay the same if you're in the word. Because if that's the case, it doesn't wash us. But it does. That's why Jesus said, that's why Paul says, there's two scriptures that come to mind. I know where it is. In Timothy, he talks about that people would deny the truth and rather believe the truth, they'll believe the lie. That's what's going to happen in the last days. People are going to turn from the truth of God because why? It exposes their heart. So they don't want to do anything about it. And then Paul says in, in Romans 1, that, that first and second chapter of Romans, he said when God starts dealing with people who live those certain lifestyles that those chapters talk about, he sees them. And because they... They refuse to change after being shown what's truth. God says, I give it over to you. Do whatever you want to do. The word said he gave them over to, to a reprobate mind to do whatever they please to do for themselves. He just turned their mind over. What they think, what they live in is what is right. And he just washed, God literally washes his hands of people who don't want to accept the truth. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yes. And now it, you know, when I, because I know it, I'm knowing that now, then now it's like you get pulled back. That's right. Like, because it makes you look at yourself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. God don't struggle with people who don't accept his word. God don't sit up in heaven and say, Jesus, I don't, your blood must don't work, Jesus. You must don't have no power in your blood. Jesus like, <laughs> there's power in the blood, Father. There's redemption. It's a remission. Think about the atonement. That's Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But God don't say that because what Jesus did was perfect. There was nothing left to do. It's complete, finished. It's over, done with. All we have to do is, is believe in what he did and accept it by faith. And then we inherit all the blessings that come with that. We don't even have to work for it. I don't have to pull a lawnmower out and go cut no grass to get it to heaven. All I got to do is say, I believe. Jesus, man, stop cursing Jesus. This man ain't done nothing. And they're crucifying him. Sir, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, from this day forward, you should be where I am. Simple as that. Simple as that. He lived a life of sin, and at the last minute, he had an opportunity to get his life right. And Jesus, in his dying moments, took the last moment to offer life to somebody. He wasn't self. Man, don't you see I'm bleeding over here? These crowns got my head hurting. 
can you just keep that to yourself and let me just deal with this? You know people like that? That's a good word. It's a discern of the thoughts. Look at Isaiah 55 and 11. We have to know. We have to know. This is a scripture we always talk about. So study the word because it's going to it's going to reveal our true heart. And all you got to do is just swallow the big rock and accept who you are and give it to God. Accept that you're a hard headed person. Let God soften your head up. You know, accept you're a drug dealer. You know, accept, accept that. Accept that you, you know, addicted to pornography or something like that. You know, accept it. Then God can deal with you. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now, we, we quote this, right? But I like the way it says it. It shall not return unto me void, Isaiah 55 and 11, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That's the King James Version. That's pretty good, isn't it? Look what the New Living Translation says. It is the same with my word. Now, this, this, this verse started at the end of a verse previous. I didn't get that verse, but that's okay. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So if you're studying the word, right, and the intent of the word is to get you to, let's just say, think of somebody other than yourself, right? If that is the intent of the scripture you are reading, God says that because that is the intent that he sent it, that is actually what's going to take place in your life if you accept it. Does that change the word because you don't accept it? But if you accept it, what changes? You. That's how God's word never returns void. It never changes. It's not conducive to whether people believe it or not. Because people think, oh, God is so merciful. How can he send anybody to hell? He's going to accept everybody. They think he's a God of sympathy. They think he's a merciful God, and he is. He's a, a God of sympathy, and he is. He's a God that would empathize with you, and he is. But when it's time of judgment, he's going to say, well, bring me the book. Not, you're going to be like, here it is, Lord. No, not your book. My book, right? But this is your book. This is the Holy Bible. But if I recall, I remember if my memory served me right, you tore some pages out of that one. So I got to judge you on this one because I didn't remove anything out of mine. Get the picture? And he's going to judge you based upon what is written in the word of God. Not your interpretation, not Bishop Wright shoes interpretation, not prophetess left toe, not Mr. Whatever his name is, not all those interpretation. It's what the word of God says. Not even me, not even your wife, not even your husband. It's what the word says, man. That's how important it is to get in this word. I tell man, look. If they're about to cut your head off and try to get me to deny Jesus, 
I might well say, get the cutting. That's cold. Got to take this mark of the beast. War told me if I, if I take the mark, I'm going to hell eternally. Well, I can't take the mark. The giant ain't eight in weeks. The Bible says that you won't be able to buy or sell if you don't have the mark of the beast. Now, this is the word, but many people is going to take it because little Johnny is hungry. And they don't know they're not supposed to. Well, they know, but they think God is sympathy and he's going to have mercy. Well, Johnny was hungry, so I took it. God said, but I said, don't take it. My God, that's unjust. God said, no, it's not. Because if I change it, then, and I, if I change it for you and don't change it for this person, then I'm not a just God. The standard's got to be the same all the time. So when the millions of people that may be paraded with God comes before him, he can't have a different set of standards for all million people. It's got to be one standard. That's justice. And everyone will be judged based upon that one standard. That has nothing to do with sympathy. That has all to do with what the word of God says. That's how important it is for you to get in it, for you to read it, for you to allow it to do what God sent it to do so you can become what God says you'll become. And you got to go all in with this thing. You got to go all in with it. You can't be part time in it. All in is not walking around. Oh, great are you, Lord. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed of the Lord according to Acts 2 and 4. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. My brother, I just asked how your day was. Now, we ain't talking about like that. So they got people just like that. You hate to ask them how you're doing. They give you two scriptures and a text. I'm sorry I asked. Here's what happens when we speak the words. Jeremiah 5. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be funny, but the reality of this thing you got to understand, we've been on this topic for, for a few weeks, you know, because the intent, you, you know why, why, why I believe God has us here so long? Because he realizes that so many people are, not, are turning from the word of truth. I was listening to an uh, 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 um, interview of a prominent gospel artist today, and he had... Some of the stuff he said was fine, but some of the other stuff, it offended me because he had no right to apologize for me because I never offended anybody to apologize to anybody. So he apologized again to the, to the LGBT community that the church has been showing hate towards them. So why is this issue so prevalent in the world when we got the word plainly in front of our eyes and it's not based upon hate, right? It's based upon love. So we're going to leave that where it is. And it ticked me off when I listened to the full interview, how he watered down the scripture and he was antsy. I mean, he stuttered all the way through the interview and it was asking him some tough stuff and he just tiptoed his way around things that he should have just answered according to the scripture if he was a believer. And he could not be straight up with the word. That's watered down. That's, that's the kind of stuff that's gonna happen people who water down the word. God said, if you change anything, I'm going to get the big eraser and blot your name out of the book of life. If you change my word. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I guess we're supposed to be joyous right now. Hey, it came to me first. <laughs> you don't see no band-aids. Look at the band-aids all on my arms. Praise the Lord. Here's what we ha here's what happens when we speak the word. Look at Jeremiah 5, 13 through 15. I hope this comes out the way I, I got it. I might need to read this. Jeremiah 5, 13 through 15. I read these little three scriptures. I got I, I set up in my chair at my desk. Fifth chapter, verse 13. It says this. And the prophets shall the prophets of those who speak the word. It's not necessarily talking about a preacher, right? Those who 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 teach the word of God. And the prophets shall become when and the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done unto them. Well, it's talking about what it says. Verse 14. Wherefore, thus said the Lord of hosts. This is where I really want to go. Because you speak this word, behold, I will make my word in thy mouth and this people would and it shall devour them. What is it saying? I will make my words. <clears throat> I will make my words in thy mouth fire. And I will make the people would. Right. So the word has the capability of burning stuff up, right? So when you're reading the word of God, right? If it's the word of God, God says, I'm going to make my word like fire and fire purifies, right? When you take a lump of gold dug up out the ground, the hotter the fire, the more purified the gold becomes. All the impurities just bubble up to the top of that gold, that kettle filled with, with gold. It melts it down and all the impurities rise up and they just skim the impurities off the top. And the more they do that, the more purified that gold becomes. So it might start out as 10 carat gold, but when they finish purifying it and getting all the impurity and all the elements that they add to gold, it comes out as 24 carat pure gold. That's the highest carrot in gold, 24. So God says, my word is like fire and it'll burn you up. That's what happens when we speak the word. Not only speak the word, but declare the word and read the word. Look at Jeremiah 23. Here's what happens when you don't speak the word. Well, is that the one? I might be jumping ahead. Oh, yeah. Chapter 23, Jeremiah. And this is just a part. If you ever read that chapter, the whole chapter of Jeremiah 23, you'll be amazed at how God deals with false prophets, people who lie and turn his word to what it to what it really isn't. Look at verse 28. The prophet that had the dream, let him tell a dream, you know, be real about it. And he that had my word, let him what? Speak my word faithfully. So God is saying, if you if you have a dream, speak the dream, right? If you have my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft, the chaff to the wheat? You know what chaff is? When you throw wheat up in the air, it's like the little crumbs that, that the wind blow away. And then the, the real wheat falls to the ground. So when they're, when, they're, when they're processing wheat the old way, now they use machines, they have a guy with a fork after the machine cut it. He comes through and he picks up the wheat. 
he throws it in the air and the wind blows all the stuff that doesn't matter and the wheat just falls to the ground. So the more they lift it up and throw it, wind blows it, boom. Lift it up, throw it, boom. That's right. So what's left is the real wheat. They put it in the right pile. All the shaft, they gather it up, burn it up. Right? That's a short form lesson. Well, what is shaft? Shaft to the wheat. Trash. Right? Said the Lord. It's not my word like as a fire. He'll be reiterating it again. My word is like a fire, say the Lord. And here's another part, what it says there. And like a hammer. What? Wait, 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 wait. That break it what? The rocks in pieces. So not only if you read the word and it burns you, if you read the word, it'll beat. <laughs> I want to say it. <laughs> grandpa, it'll beat the hell out of you. That's what grandpa used to say. It'll pound you till you give in. God, I ain't changed that. God said, read it again. Da, 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 da. God, God, it ain't working. Read it again. And uh, the more you read, the harder the word just boom, boom. Oh, you're going to change it. And I keep reading. Read it again. Boom. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, it said, God, okay, God, okay. The word done beat it out of you. Done beat the confession out of you. That's the way people are on the, in the jury. On the court stand. That's why when, when a defense attorney or the prosecutor attorney is questioning them people, they just, what did you say? You say what? But over here you said such and such. And such. So then they'll twist the question around. Did not you say such and such? But well, no, I didn't. Wait, um, but yeah, you did say such. Because they're trying to get to the truth, right? They pound you with diversity of the same question. Diversified questions that really say did you do it it wasn't you who drove the Volkswagen bug about 6 30 a.m. on Saturday night December the 3rd well no I was asleep well wasn't it you that was walking down the street on December the 3rd about 6 25 that night uh yeah I was walking uh well wasn't it you who said your car was hot when we touched when you touched the hood uh that you lost your keys and it was left outside of the vehicle well, uh, yeah, well, well, then it was you who did it. You, you get what I'm saying? That's, the word is like a hammer. It breaks up the hardest heart. People say, I can't get saved. Oh, yes, you can. Get in the word. Well, I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. That's what it's supposed to do. Get in the word. Let it, let it discern your intents of the heart. Let it beat the hoots out of you if you need to. Beat the hoots. Got a new word. Praise the Lord. Look at this. I got stuck right there because 30 is what I really want. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, said the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. God said they're going to have false teachers that come to take your word, God's word from you. And he hates that. I'm against them. And if you read on through that, he talks about what he's going to do to false prophets and he is merciless because that's how he values because you know why when they change his word they change the character of God and God says I am God and I never change I am the same yesterday today and forevermore not one drop of my word will pass away 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain the same. So if people change it, that's why he going to blot their name out the book of life. Because they defame God's character. Man, there's going to be a lot of people in that boat. Your commitment to the word of God and your daily discovery of the mysteries within it should cause you to speak of it even if you are living opposite of what it says in any specific area. Your commitment to the word of God and your daily discovery of the mysteries within it should cause you to speak of it even if you are living opposite of what it says in any specific area. I mean, even if you're living in sin, you can't deny the word of God is true. You can be delivered in one area, but still bound in another. And you still should be able to speak the truth of what the word says. Man up. Put your big girl panties. Put your man boxer drawers on, as they say. Strap up. That's the reality of this thing. But no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, you'll do it if you want to go, hmm. Jeremiah got tired. Jeremiah was upset, and we closing with this. He he, Jeremiah in Jeremiah the twentieth chapter. He, oh my God! Let me. Can I just read the, the seventh through the eight, eleventh verse? And number uh, Jeremiah twenty, seven through eleven verses. My focus verse is verse nine. And I'm going to read that and then I'm going to read 7 through 11. Verse 9 says, Then I said I will not make mention of him, talking about God, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire set up in my bones. And I was weary and forbearing and I could not stay in that opinion, basically what he's saying. I couldn't stay there. I couldn't help it because it was doing something on the inside. Hey, let's find out what was going on with Jeremiah. And I'm going to read it in the NLT version. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> oh, Lord, verse 7, you misled me. Here's this man telling God you misled me. Verse 7, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. That sounds like God. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. That sounds like somebody just got the word in them, right? Violence and destruction, I shout. So Jeremiah, every time God sent him to prophesy to the people, he was prophesying damnation and God is going to get you if you don't change. And everything he said, he was correcting them and re revealing to them their sin. So he like, God, you set me up. I thought your word was going to treat people good. But every time I open my mouth, it's hell and damnation. You set me up. You twisted my arm. You made me say it when I didn't want to say it. But that's what happens when you got the word in you, right? Oh, my Lord. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, verse 9, his word burns in my heart like a fire. 
It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Verse 10. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything else, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. Verse 11, they will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. God says, if you speak my word, so what people talk about you? So what they look look like and they're sitting back waiting for you to fail the scripture says God is going to stand beside you like a great warrior you talking about my daughter you give that up when you choose to water down and, and don't stand the warrior goes sit down on his throne can you picture that but when you standing on the word God is like what you say what to her I'm a great warrior for you, God says. When you stand on my word, when you say it even when it cuts you, when you don't change it for nobody, you see it's the same no matter who you're talking to. I'm going to come to your defense, and the enemy can't stand where I am. That's the God we serve. Ephesians 6 and 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul talked about dressing in the arm of God. And the last thing he said, take the helmet of salvation. He could have said, leave it. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The helmet protects your mind from the warfare of the enemy who tries to taunt your mindset. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is your knife that destroys the enemy before your very eyes. That's how important it is to study the word because it works. It does the work for you. I didn't say you do anything, did I? I didn't say, now you got to pull this off. You got to chop doing it. I didn't say anything, right? I said, get the word in you and it's going to start burning stuff up. It's going to break stuff up, right? It's going to cut stuff loose. It's going to sever stuff from that you've been struggling with. The word comes in and cuts those ties and frees you completely. That's how powerful it is. So in my closing, I want to challenge you to set some time. Set some time. 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning and the evening. However, you know, I can't tell you what to do. It's what you choose. And, and honor that time. And even if you miss it one day, that's okay. God, forgive me and reschedule it. Don't be so hard on yourself. Just do it. Read it. If you have questions, Ask somebody who can answer them for you. Ask God. I guarantee you God will reveal the answers to you. And before you know it, you'll be more and more like Jesus. That's what the word says. And every part of the word of God is truth. So, Father God, I thank you tonight for this, your word, God, that it is a life-changing word. Ingesting it causes change. 
when we accept it and believe it. If we don't accept it, it convicts us. And we're still thinking about it until the day we say yes to it. That's how powerful your word is. It is in our hearts. It is in our mind. It, it, it turns over until it produces what it says it's going to produce. That's why so many wrestle with it, God. That's why so many struggle in, in their walk with you because they're wrestling with the word. And they're toiling with it and they're fighting it and resisting it when they could just give all into it and allow it to do what you said it would do. Allow it to burn up those things, the shaft, the chaff in our lives. Let it burn up the impurities. Let it cleanse us. Let it wash us. Let it sanctify us. So God, help us as we're in an age, God, where the word has be, been devalued and it's been not just devalued by the word, it's been devalued by the church. So God, I want to make declarations for myself and these people who are sitting here with me and listening that God, we choose to follow the word. We will not water it down. We'll stand on it. We allow it to expose our heart and we yield to it in obedience so that your glory will be seen in our lives. And by it, others will be drawn because we are authentic. We're genuine. We are the believers that the world have been looking for. We are the ones who have not compromised, that were never compromised. We're the ones who will say, thus say the Lord God, and our lives will exemplify that very word itself. So search us. If you see anything other than that in our lives, reveal it to us that we may lay it upon the altar of sacrifice where it can be consumed by the fire of your Holy Spirit, that our lives may be acceptable unto you this night. In the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that every time we open up your word, that it is not hidden from us, but reveal the mysteries of it to us, God, because we want to know it. And not only do we want to know it, we want to live it so that the world would know you. We love you. and We appreciate you for all that you do in our lives. I pray peace over those who are listening in today that you, oh God, will take this same word and do what you want to do in their lives, that they will give it all to you, that they will throw in the towel, that they will just say, Lord, I surrender all, all to thee, oh blessed Savior. They surrender all to you. We commit our lives to you and ask that you would just have your way. 